Sorry. Sorry. Okay, this isn't going to work. Sorry, I forgot to wear trousers with a pocket. <laughs> Big mistake. Anyway. <laughs> uh, that picture that's just been shared, um, Jesus, we just say, do that. Do that in this place today. Uh, we kneel before you, our maker and our creator. And we just say, we long to know what it feels like to have our Father lift up our head. We long to shine with your glory, Jesus. We long to encounter your love so that we can pour out that love, not only on you, but on every person around us, so that this world can see and know your love. Amen. Can I just add to that that I, I, I think that also relates to, to natural fathers and children and the relationship there and, and it speaks of the affirmation of a father lifting up the head of the child and saying, you can do this. Yeah, we, get, we get our identity from our fathers spiritually and naturally and it's time for us fathers to stand up and be raised up and raise up our children, lift up their heads. Give them confidence, give them identity, and say, you can do this. Come on. So my name's Nick, um, short for Nicola. I say that because a lot of people get confused as to which one's Nick and which one's Jez. Um, <laughs> this is Jez, short for Jeremy. <laughs> um, we've been married for 20 years. We have two beautiful teenage boys, Dan, who was playing the drums, and Josh, who I think is going through a phase of wearing his cap back to front, so... You might recognize who he is. Um, but we, we, about a year and a bit ago, um, got back from studying at, at Bethel Church in California. Uh, we were there for three years uh, at the School of Supernatural Ministry. Um, and it was our dream for many, many years to go as a family. Um, we felt like it wasn't just about Jez and I going and get, receiving information, about more information about who God was and is, but it was about going and being part um, together as a family in a revival culture where we got to see who God is. And we, is, this gonna, is this gonna make that noise the whole time? Is it all right? Okay. Um, so yeah, we, we, our children were part of the school of um, Bethel Christian School and, and we just, we got to to get our hearts and our lives shaped and, and our minds open to, to who God is and how much he wants to do in us and through us. Now, not for us to wait until we get to heaven, <laughs> but to be people that, that carry heaven inside of us and release heaven wherever we go. Um, yeah. So over the years, we've kind of picked up quite a bit of material and insight and stuff on, on relationships. And we've made a lot of mistakes as well. And we've hopefully learned from some of those mistakes. Um, unfortunately, we, we have far too much material to put into a preach. So we're doing this session this weekend. We're doing another session in two weekends time. This is more like an overview of the how the, uh, the why. Sorry, the, the why. The following session will be the, the why, more practical tools 
about how to do relationships better. But in the spring, we're going to be running a series of marriage sessions which will go a lot deeper into some of these areas and actually cover a lot of stuff that we won't even get a chance to touch on today. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I forgot to mention that my mum and dad are here. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's lovely to have them. A lot of, a lot of who I am is as a result of, of uh, godly parents who've raised me. And I've been privileged to be, to be raised in a, in a home to learn about relationships and family because of, because of my family. Um, but we're aware that when we talk about relationships, there are, um, there'll be all sorts of people and mixes um, of how everybody's feeling, just even thinking about the topic this morning. And um, I want to assure you that even though we're happily married and I'm part of a lovely family, we have been through the mill, as it were, in s with some of our relationships, and you'll hear a little bit about that later on. And we're under no illusion that actually this is, this is something that we're passionate about and we're hungry to get better at, but we also know it can be really painful and we have to work through things and we have to work through the pain of actually figuring out sometimes what looks like a mess in terms of a relationship that we're in. So I just say that to give you hope if you're sitting there today that we are we're talking about a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father and our our dream is for us to be connected well with him and to receive his love and to be, receive his healing so that we can continue to work out what it looks like to love one another well. Yeah, so in our third year at Bethel, we, we did an internship with a couple who um, were experts on relationships and marriage. But there was, there was a beautiful but horrible irony with that in that we actually had really difficult relationships with them. Um, so we actually think that we learned a lot more that year going through practical steps of reconciliation and working through difficulties um, rather than it all being plain sailing, you know, we had just kind of worked out the theories from a book. We actually had to walk through all of this stuff. Um, and we, we have um, a number of other lifelong relationships where at times it's been really, really hard, really hard. But we've tried our best. We've stuck at it. We've tried to work through... Um, you know, things like reconciliation. And I'm pleased to say that those relationships are still very, very strong today, you know, even after like 15 years or so, because of what God has taught us and what God has done through us that we've been able to, to put into relationships. So the vision for today is to just um, to get you thinking about what is available. What is available? What is there to go after in terms of relationships for us, for us all? And a uh, you know, I was thinking about John 13, verse 34, and it says, A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. And last week, Alan spoke about the vision of this church and where we're heading, and he talked about this, the harvest that God is wanting to bring in. And our vision and our passion is that actually it's by the way that we love it's by the way that we work out relationships, yes, with God, but with one another, that all men will know that we're his disciples, and they'll know his love as they encounter his love through us. So that's, that's the vision. It feels a bit weird um, 
talking to today because we obviously spoke last night and it feels a little bit like I opened myself up and I just poured my heart out onto the floor last night and I just need to do that all over again. <laughs> so come on, it's a chance to just see who we are, to see what makes us come alive and, um, and hopefully to just stir you up, stir you up as to what is possible with, help, with healthy relationships. If any of you, I think most of you, will have been here for the vision services, there was a key phrase that came out, or I noticed a lot, and that was that relationships are important. We need to build relationships between the teams, between the people. Yeah, life is all about relationships. That would be a key phrase that we'd use. God is all about relationship. He created us in our image. Um, in his image. It's a bit of, sorry, yeah, there's a bit of booming going on. So, um, One so way to distract my husband is through, through PA, by the way. It's just, he tunes in to, to everything. <laughs> so the whole of the Bible talks about God as a relational God. And he's created as that way. Genesis 1.26, you know, let us make man in our image, i.e. relational as well as everything else. Um, Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. Now there's a key thing here. A lot of us as Christians think we've got an issue with someone. We can just sort that out with us and God. It's not quite how God made us. God made us to need other people and to relate to other people as well as himself. So in a way, it's a bit of a lie for us to think that as a Christian, we can just do everything just us and God, just that vertical relationship. There are so many times where really powerful testimonies, God could have done something, created something out of thin air for us, but he doesn't. He usually chooses to do it through another person because he knows that we need other people. We need to relate to other people. So if we're very much an individual in a church, that's not really a healthy place to be. We want to be relational with the people, the body that we're around. So, going through the story of the Bible, you know that the Israelites were given the opportunity to relate to God relationally, but they chose, because of fear and, you know, I guess mainly fear, they chose to, to have a mediator of Moses, to talk through Moses rather than God talk to them directly. Um, and that was this huge setback, really, in terms of God trying to relate to his people um, and then obviously, you know, Jesus coming to restore relationship. That was the whole thing. It was to restore relationship with God. Um, and just a final little bit on that. God made us with a spirit. The reason he made us with a spirit is so that we can communicate and relate to him. Yeah, we can receive prophetic words. We can hear his voice. We can speak in tongues, communicating spirit to spirit. If he wasn't wanting us to relate to him, he wouldn't have created us with a spirit. So we just need to, to understand that the reason we need relationships and the reason we need other people is because that's how God has created us and designed us to be. So I want to share a piece of my heart that's just been just going round and round and round my head about probably the last six months. Just kind of can't get off the topic. And that topic is covenant. What is it? Why does this keep coming up? Why is it that every time I read the Bible, I just keep seeing covenant relationships? 
um, that are demonstrated. And uh, there's no possible way on this planet I could fully explain my heart or even like fully go through the Bible and show you the depth of covenant and what God's actually done and the beautiful picture throughout history that he's, that he's made a way for us in terms of covenant. But I just want to pour out a little bit of, um, of what I'm feeling. Hopefully with the invitation that if there's anybody else that just wants to make 2017 a year that we go after covenant or we try and find out about it, like I want to do that with you. I just want this year to be about, about grasping a depth of something that's available. Um, and I think, it, for me at the moment, it just feels like the key is covenant. Um, so, for this purpose, I'm going to uh, use the illustration that Jez is actually a cow farmer. Some of you might have seen the hashtag on Facebook last night. This is now all going to become clear. Jez is a very successful cow farmer. He has a beautiful farm with lots and lots, this isn't actually real, anybody that doesn't know Jez. <laughs> he's, a, he's a brilliant farmer. And I do like steak though. <laughs> has, has loads and loads of cows on his farm. And I am over here and I'm a sheep farmer. I'm trying my best, but I'm actually not doing very well. I have a few sheep, but I'm aware that actually if I were to be in covenant with Jez, that would be, that would be immense for me. I would have... I would have access to his land, I would have access to his cows, and he, in return, doesn't get an awful lot from me, but he, but he gets some wool, gets a, gets a bit of sheep milk, <laughs> 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 lamb. <laughs> so we decide uh, over from negotiating uh, with one another that we're going to go into covenant. Now, covenant means, the word means to cut, to cut a covenant. And uh, so I'm going to show you what, what it looked like throughout history. And I just want to say that there is no tribe or tongue or language or people group across this planet throughout history that hasn't um, had a concept of covenant. This is something that every single nation has known throughout history. And yet we're growing up at the moment, I, I think there are, there are kids growing up at the moment without a concept of covenant. And uh, so let, let me show you what it might have looked like of people cut, cutting a covenant. So we decide to, to, to enter into covenant. So Jez gets his best cow and he brings his best cow and I bring my best prize sheep. <laughs> Always the comedian. <laughs> and... Actually, we, we cut, um, our, I cut my sheep from head to tail, down, kill it, and I lay it down um, on this side, and Jez cuts his cow from head to toe, and he lays it down. And with that, what happens is the blood of these two animals are mixing and forming a river of blood. And uh, we stand at, on, at this river, and we begin to walk through into the center of this river of blood, and I'm wearing my sheep farmer cloak, um, and I give that to Jez, because this is a sign of my identity, this is who I am, and I exchange it with Jez, and he gives me his, gives me his identity for me to wear. I take off my belt, which usually contains uh, some kind of weapon to protect my sheep, and Jez the same, and he, we exchange belts, and in doing so, we're saying, you know what, I'm not going to fight against you, but your enemies are my enemies. I will fight for you, 
and I will, I will make sure that, that you are protected, but not, not, I'm not going to fight you ever. Um, we then, this can get a bit gross, but just bear with me. Um, I cut um, a, a, a cut. I make a cut on my arm or on my hand, and um, I, I drip some of that blood into a glass of wine. And Jez does the same thing. He drips some of his blood into this glass of wine. We actually make sure that um, we get some dirt or something, and we rub that dirt into that cut, because what we want is for a scar to remain, for everybody to see that we're in covenant relationship with each other, and for there to be a visible scar there. And now, my blood and Jez's blood are in this glass of wine. And I take a, a sip of it, and Jez takes a drink from it. And there's a picture of that blood is mixed. There's no separating that blood out. And we've taken that on board in that, that awareness of actually we, we are one. Our blood is literally one. We have probably exchanged names as well. Um, I'll take on some kind of name that represents him and, and vice versa. And then we walk to the other side of the, the river in again that beautiful picture of we've, we've almost like changed places. We've taken on each other's identity. And we're also saying, by the way, if I ever break this covenant, you have permission to do to me what we just did to those animals. Because this covenant is unto death and it will not be broken. And so, there is no longer a, a sheep farmer or a cow farmer. We are now sheep cow farmer. <laughs> we are one. And you know what? If I need anything from Jez's farm, I go and get it. Because it's mine. And vice versa. And it wasn't a fair exchange. <laughs> but it worked f for us. Jez has full access to everything that I have. And I have full access to everything that he has. And we are now one. So when you read the passage in Genesis 15, where, where God is talking to Abram, and he calls him out of his land, and he says, Abram, Abram I am, I'm, I'm promising you that I will make you a father of, of many nations. I will make you great, and your, your um, offspring will outnumber the stars in the sky. Abram's like, God, I believe you, but I haven't got a son. <laughs> Like, how's this going to happen? And God says to him, bring me a heifer and a ram and everything else. And we begin to read about, about Abraham just going, oh, I'm going to cut a covenant. God himself is cutting a covenant with me. What must that have been like in the concept that he's just had, that ridiculous injustice of, of God with everything and Abraham with with very little, and yet God's saying, I'm cutting a covenant with you, and I promise you that this is who you're going to be. And so we, we read about it in, in um, Genesis 15, and God himself, a flaming torch, walks through the river of blood. <laughs> we can look at it in, with David and Jonathan. Look at how, how um, Jonathan gives David his cloak. He says, I know that you are the next heir to the throne, my father's throne. I'm, I'm due to be that, but I, I'm giving you my identity. I'm cutting a covenant with you. And you know what? The whole of history is altered because Jonathan 
enters into a covenant with David. And, um, we, you know, we carry on reading and, and Jonathan ends up protecting David, fighting for him, uh, even against his own father. We, look, we looked earlier on at Ruth and Naomi. What a beautiful picture of covenant. Where, when Ruth says to, to her mother-in-law, I'm not going to go back to my people, the Moabites, because where you go, I go. Your God is my God. Your people are my people. And she goes with her mother-in-law. And because of that, she meets Boaz, the kingsman redeemer. <laughs> and everything is altered. And Boaz and Ruth end up getting married and, and having a son, and he's Obed. And Obed is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of David. Everything changed. And history was altered because the, they were in covenant relationship with one another. And we get, we get to Jesus. <laughs> I haven't got time to fully explain it, but on the night that he was betrayed, he took the cup. And he said, I'm making a new covenant with you. And this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And you know what? That word remembrance there is a, is a Greek word um, and the Greek word is anamnesis. And it's where we actually get the root word of it is amnesia. Um, it's where we get our word amnesia from, which is the medical, description, medical word for when we forget who we are. But it's anamnesis. It's the opposite of that. So, so it's literally Jesus giving them his blood, saying, we are in covenant and we are one. And because of this, because of what's about to happen to me, because of the scars that you're about to see on my body forevermore, because of this covenant, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. You're one with me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. In a covenant with a God who has everything available for us that we need and that we have full access to because we're in covenant with him. And you, you want to know why we get excited about marriage? <laughs> it's because it's a covenant. In uh, Ephesians 5, it talks, about, um, it talks about marriage. And it says, um, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25, it says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave his, up his life for her. Covenant language, he laid down his life for um, his church, his bride. And he's saying, husbands, this is how you love your wife. And it goes on to say, as the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Verse 32 Look it up when you get home. I, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. <coughs> Marriages are an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Do you know, we talk about, we're talking about the harvest. What would it look like if we had a concept of of our covenant relationship, the way that Jez loves me, is literally a picture, wherever we go, of the way that Christ loves me. He loves his bride. 
We are passionate about seeing a healthy church and healthy relationships, which, is, which means healthy marriages. <laughs> because the world out there is longing to know what love looks like. And they get to see it through a husband loving his wife, laying down his life for her. <sighs> Do you know, um, in John 17, just before Jesus died, he was praying, and he prayed for you, and he prayed for me, and he said, my prayer is, Father, that they would be one as we're one. His prayer for us is that we would know a covenant relationship with one another. It's what Jesus prayed just before he died, and yet, as I said, we have a, a generation of of people rising up who don't know what covenant is. (laughs) Does anybody want to go on an adventure with me this year and find out a bit more about covenant and find out how important it is throughout the whole of the Bible and look at the Bible through the lens of covenant so that we can actually go, wow, we're one with God. We get to be one with one another. And I wonder if we are one with one another, how much more we'll achieve. How much more we'll get to see because the world will see demonstrated a love that they've never seen before. And they will long for it and we'll have people banging on that door because they want that love. So good. It's a shame that we have so little time to look at covenant because it is so huge. And if we can grasp it it is so transformational in terms of what can God can do through us and in terms of our identity. But let's look briefly at a, a following section. Robin Williams, who you know died um, a while ago, was quoted as saying, the worst fear in life is not the fear of being alone, but it's the fear of being with people and feeling alone. Yeah? The worst fear in life is not the fear of being alone, but it's the fear of being with people and feeling alone. So how can we ensure that we're not alone when we're with people? Or what, what is it that makes a relationship work, that makes it feel good? What is, it, what is it that makes a relationship not work, not feel right, feel painful or difficult? And sometimes it's helpful to just put language to this kind of stuff so we know what we're talking about. And a word that I would define as what makes a relationship work is the word connection. Yeah, if you're connecting with someone, that's not just you're on LinkedIn and someone's got a friend of a friend or colleague. That's, it says you have a new connection. That's not a connection <laughs> that I'm talking about. A connection is something that it goes beyond the surface level talk, the trivial talk. It goes beyond even, you know, a little bit of common ground. A connection is something where you, you are connecting on a, a heart-to-heart level almost. Yeah? There's various different levels of it, but that's, that's essentially what we're talking about. Something significantly deeper than just trivial surface stuff. I just want to take you through, this is fairly common sense, and you, you may know it already, but again, it's useful to put some language to these things. The five levels of communication. So 
As we go from top to bottom, it's from least significant down to most significant. So the first one is that surface or trivial level communication, also known as hallway talk. You know, you're passing someone at work or whatever. How are you doing? There's, there's, no, there's no connection there. It's just to like it. A bit of politeness, really. Maybe an introduction to a conversation. Then this is a level that a lot of men operate at. The factual transfer of information. What time is the meeting? Where are we meeting? That kind of thing. Again, not a great connection there. Then we start getting a little bit more into it. I'm sharing what I think, my thoughts. <coughs> Further down, then sharing, sharing my feelings, my emotions. We're getting a little bit more into to bearing what's inside of us. And then the, the deepest level, which is actually really difficult def to define in succinct words, but it's like this deep honesty and love where you are bearing everything to someone else who is also bearing everything. And there's that deep, deep connection, which um, in a marriage situation, you know, isn't is a very intimate moment yeah and obviously the the better we're able to to move up to the higher numbers the better we're going to be able to connect with people and the better they're going to be able to connect with us yeah now obviously i'm not talking about going straight to level five with your work colleagues not appropriate <laughs> work relationships are a bit different and they're very much task focused and efficiency focused which is a different kind of thing, but, but let's try and move from the superficial to the meaningful connection, yeah? I hope you know where you're going, because I have no idea. <laughs> I think the sad thing is that a lot of people think they have many friends, relationships, but actually there's very little connection there. And even in, I was going to say many, some marriages, it's really just a functional relationship that develops a lifestyle that allows a functional relationship and there's very little intimacy or connection there. And that's really sad. We would love to see uh, marriages and relationships thrive in that area particularly where there's connection rather than just functionality. Um, I'm going to skip that bit. So a little, little example is that my family, the Barnsley family, are very functional people. So the bathroom is quite a functional place in the morning. You know, it's like, have your shower, do your teeth, whatever you need to do. It's like, let's get that done, we'll move on to the next thing. Whereas the Stone family, bathroom is is very different situation. It's very relational um, within the bounds of decency. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had to learn with Nick that, that when we're in the bathroom together, she's actually wanted to share her heart. She's wanted to share about the amazing dreams she had the night before or about what God was telling her and, and that kind of thing. And, and I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I need to have the shave and I can't hear you when I'm having a <laughs> shave and I need to get on and do the next thing. And and obviously there's a disconnect there until we learn that we can use those opportunities as a relational thing. We're not suggesting you meet in the bathroom. Just, um, 
So what are some of the keys for connection, things that are actually um, going to help us to, to move down that list? Um, I want to suggest that one of the main keys is authenticity and vulnerability. I'm going to commit to um, being who I am, showing up in this relationship, and being vulnerable. Um, one of my uh, pastors at Bethel used to say, it's like she can see people walking around and they're trying to connect with other people, um, but they're not wanting, they're not willing to show the gaps that they have in their life, the things that they're actually struggling with. So it's like they're presenting an image like this, of like, this is me, look at how amazing I am, and I want to connect with you. And, and there's somebody else over here that's doing the same thing. And they actually are struggling and wondering why they're struggling to connect. And even if somebody is being willing and open and, tra and transparent, they still can't connect with that person because this person is unwilling. But actually, as they begin to be real with, with the person and they open up as to who they really are, suddenly there's a, there's a way that those two hearts can connect. And there, there are two things, I think, that, um, that make it really difficult for us to, to be authentic and to be real. And the first one is a fear of rejection. We are worried that if we bare our soul, you are going to look at us and you're going to go, see you later. <laughs> I don't want to know. Like, honest, I, uh, I had a, a time a few months ago where I was meeting with, with someone in this church who I just wanted to be a spiritual father to me. And I, I'm very intentional about making sure that I have mothers and fathers in my life who, um, who, who champion me and, and encourage me and, and have permission to, to spot things in, in me that aren't good. And, uh, and I wanted to go and, and to meet with him and to say, I just need you to see who I am. And actually, I was so scared. <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm going to share things with you now about who I am and my passions and my dreams, that if you turn around and go, thanks for sharing, see you later, that's going to really hurt. But you know what's going to hurt me even more? <laughs> if I don't do that, and I don't connect with him, and I don't have that spiritual father in my life able to do that. So I chose to be vulnerable. And... And yay, I, I look at him as a spiritual father now, and he, he has that permission in my life. But even if he hadn't, do you know what? I still, I still was willing to be me. I was still willing to show up. And I could have gone and asked somebody else to speak into my life had he, had he not had time to, to father me. So I just want to identify that fear of rejection that, that many, many people carry. That fear of, if you really knew me, if you really knew what I was thinking or what was going on in my house, you wouldn't know me. And I want to say it's such a lie that is robbing us of what we need. Um, and it's going to take courage to step over it, find somebody you trust, find somebody who you, um, you've, you've built a little bit of relationship with and, and begin to step through some of those levels of communication to go into a place of connection with them that, that actually you can see, actually, I can be me. I go running with a group of ladies on a Friday, and they get to see me. 
they get to see me without my makeup on, they get to see me sweating, they get to see me struggling to breathe, um, and, and yet they, none of that matters to them. <laughs> They're like, we love you, we want to be with you and try and get fit. But the other fear that, or the other thing that I lived with, which was, which was such a lie, is that what the most important thing is what you, what you care about, what you need. And I've, I've grown up in the church for a long time and served in the church, and so, so my heart was like, I just, need to, I just need to squash down what I need because what matters is what you need, and I will serve you, and I will be there for you, and what, what do you need? Share with me what you need. Um, and do you know the problem with that? It was like I was doing this without even realizing. I was trying to meet everybody else's needs as they were showing me their gaps, and I was wondering, what on earth? Why am I struggling for connection here? And it wasn't until I was in Bethel and really in third year needing, needing people in my life to speak into, into those places and to say, Nick, what do you need? I can, I'll never forget somebody asking me that. And I was like, I have no concept of what I need right now because I have spent years squashing down what I care about and what matters and how I'm feeling, and getting before God and going, oh God, oh God, oh God, help me with this, because I I know that you can bring that healing in, and I can just do that here, and not realizing that actually, God's put people around me who is going, Nick, your answer lies in that person right there, for you to go and connect with them, and to be real with them. So step over the fear of rejection, and show up with your needs, willing to be met, through other people. And the other key um, that I'll just mention briefly is, is good questions. Over coffee, when you're trying to get to know someone, get some good questions. <laughs> the how are you will always be answered fine. Well, usually. But what about, tell me what makes you come alive. Tell me what you're dreaming about at the moment. What would you love to see happen? Or... What is it that, um, I'm just going to go really deep then, but I'll, I'll stay, <laughs> stay at this level. Um, yeah, I, uh, I would love to know the last time that you were really excited. Just when did that happen? And the person will go, hmm, and begin to share something. And do you know what? That's a little window of this really excites that person and they're passionate about it. And I get to then champion some of that passion and to help them uh, with that and we get to figure out. There's just so many good questions that you can ask. And if we as a church just begin to get a little bit more intentional about asking some good questions, finding out what's inside of you, saying to someone, what breakthrough are you wanting at the moment? What are you praying at the moment? What's God saying to you at the moment? Because I want to partner with that. And I want to see what it is that you're dreaming about and that makes you come alive. Do you know, my boys... Um, my, I'm looking at the clock. Um, my, my boys had the opportunity a, a couple of months ago to do some filming at their school. Their, um, my eldest son is a budding filmmaker and his headmaster had come to him and said, I'd love you to make a film uh, of, the, of the new building. So Dan had asked Josh if Josh would help him to do this. And just as they were leaving to go and, uh, uh, to school that day and to make this film, I said to my boys, boys, I love you. Show up. 
be you, because this is the first time the headmaster's seen you. This is the first time he gets a glimpse of what Barnsley boys look like. So fully show up and be you. And you know what? <laughs> I came in and they said, Mom, the headmaster said to us, I would have loved to have a relationship with my brother the way that I've watched you two relate today. And later on, at a Christmas event, I was there and one of the, a, friend, a friend of mine who's a Christian um, came to me and she said, do you know, when, you, when your boys made that film, the headmaster rang me and he said, I have never seen boys relate to each other the way that I've just witnessed these Barnsley boys relate, the way that they love each other. And I long for that relationship with my brothers. And I was like, right there, right there, just you being you, just you loving your brother well, is what demonstrates to the world what love looks like. It's what calls to the harvest and brings them in because they get to see what healthy relationships look like. Come and stand. Come and stand here, Jez. Talk here. <laughs> All of those things that Nick's been describing don't happen by accident. <laughs> they take intentionality. A couple of little bits might happen by accident or naturally. Even you might be naturally gifted in that area. But when it comes down to it, you actually need to deliberately do these things deliberately make connection, deliberately ask those questions, deliberately go over to, you know, somebody new in the church. Swallow that fear that you might have and just go and be you to that person. Yeah. And you will bless their socks off and you will be able to get connection. Um, we are running out of time, so I can't do this next bit, which is called the Jahari Window. Just a bit of homework for you to go and look up what that is about. Okay? Um, it's to do with revealing part of yourself and getting feedback from others. Can I say that's all in the context of we understand connection. We, we will talk in our marriage classes about um, safeguarding connection as well in terms of marriage. And um, just take all of what we've just said and use, th use these things in an appropriate way because we don't want someone to connect with somebody uh, on a really deep level when actually their main, if you're married, you're, my connection with Jez is the most important connection that I have. Sorry, just add that. So I think we'll, we'll bring things to a close in the next few minutes, but I just wanted to share a piece um, which isn't mine. It's actually something that Chris Vallotton has been speaking about recently. So if you go on the, the Bethel podcasts, there's a recent preach that he did about belonging, but there's just a, an absolutely incredible nugget which I had missed all of my life until this point, and I just wanted to share that with you um, to demonstrate the, the connection that Jesus um, was used to doing, the way that he ticked. So it, it's, in, it's the passage of the woman at the well, John 4, yeah? And we, we will all have heard that, yes, it was the Samaritan woman and 
they were kind of like an outcast nation to the Jews, so it was forbidden for Jews to speak to Samaritans and all of that kind of stuff. And she was a woman, completely devalued in that culture. So again, kind of Jesus is, is breaking the, um, the cultural, uh, whatever, grounds in order to, to make connection with this woman, to go and speak to her. And you know the passage about get it drawing the water from the well. But when it comes to the point where Jesus says, go and tell your husband, and the woman says, well, um, I don't have a husband, and Jesus says, yes, you've had five husbands, and the man that you're currently with isn't your husband. I'd kind of puzzled over that for years, thinking, yeah, it's incredible that Jesus had this word of knowledge for the woman, but surely she would have been kind of a little bit offended by that, that that he's exposed her history. Yet we see this woman going away, basically rejoicing, telling everybody else in the city, and that city was transformed because of her testimony, because of that encounter with Jesus. Chris Vallotton explained that actually what Jesus was doing there is he wasn't revealing something prophetically um, to expose the woman or even just to prove that he was the Messiah by giving a word of knowledge. What he was doing, in that culture, it was, it was always the, the man's responsibility to divorce a woman. It could never happen the other way around. So what was actually happening was that five sequential men had rejected this woman. And the current man that she was with wouldn't even marry her. So he was rejecting her as well. So she's had six men on the trot rejecting her. She's in a rejected nation. She's a woman rejected in the culture there. And six men have rejected her. Yet Jesus is deeply connecting. He's saying, despite all of this, I love you deeply. I love you deeply. I want to connect with you on a level that shows my love to you. And then obviously, you know, he then... He goes to the cross to show us the level that he wants to connect with us despite our history. Yeah. So it's, it's a challenge to say, go beyond the surface value of what you see in someone. And, and go that extra step of connection with them. Jesus did it for that woman. We should do it for other people. And he does it for us. The way that we love transforms a city. Jesus in that moment connected with a, la- with a woman who then brought her whole community into revival <laughs> through one connection. Our hearts are that we go after healthy connection with one another. Healthy marriages, healthy families, healthy friendships. We'd explore what is available to us through covenant. We would, we would know that we love because he first loved us and we would be passionate about receiving that love because by this, all men will know that we're his disciples. Oh, there's so much we want to share with you, but we're going we're gonna to stop there. Um, do you want to lead the ministry stuff? Okay, so uh, yeah, let me just pray. Um, 
Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you so much for demonstrating what love looks like. Thank you, Father God, for being the kind of dad that lifts up our head. And we get to shine because of your radiance. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood so that we would know a oneness with you. So that we would know that heaven's resources are our resources. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for praying for us that we would live in relationships of oneness with one another. And God, where we've not done that and where we just feel like we've, we've not been doing relationships well, Father, I pray that no person would leave here feeling any kind of shame but instead feel an invitation to explore what is available. <laughs> that they would feel inspired by love to begin to pour out love in fresh new ways. Father, I pray that, um, that this year, at the beginning of this year, we just would, would accept that invitation to explore the depths <coughs> of love so that the world may see how you love us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir us up where we've settled with lies, where we've, where we've walked in, in rejection, God, where we've, through, through no fault of our own, from never knowing what it actually could look like, God, we've, we've settled with less. And I just pray that this year, we would have it as a breakthrough year for relationships, for healthy relationships, healthy marriages restored, healthy families, healthy church that knows that when they, even when they're not here on a Sunday, that we belong, that we're one with one another. God, we give you this year and say, do in us what you need to do so that the world may know your love in Jesus' name. Yeah, and, and thank you, Lord, that that connection with the woman changed the city. So let us make our connections change this church and transform this city. Yeah, come on. Let's go for it.